0: all right good evening everyone as you know tonight we are doing things a little bit different unless you uh jumped in here a minute late then you're about to find out we're doing things a little different tonight so before we jump into the festivities i have two giveaways to get us started for the night all right people are excited that's right you must be chinese i mean i mean I'm Chinese. I can say it. it. Don't forget. All right. But in all seriousness, we have two excellent resources here that we want to give away tonight. One of them is called What is the Mission of the Church? Uh, It has a subtitle that's not as relevant, but the main message of the book is super relevant. What is the Mission of the Church? by Kevin DeYoung and Greg Gilbert. And this other book is called The Missionary Theologian by E.D. Burns. Both of these are excellent resources. You can get your hands on them tonight. That's right, tonight. If you can answer a couple of questions, which I haven't thought of yet, but maybe you can help me come up with some questions. First of all, I would like whoever walks away with these books, though, to actually want to read them and is interested and want to learn and grow in terms of their understanding of missions and their understanding of the church. So keep that in mind. So who's interested in this book? All right. Where'd he go? Okay. One. This is What is the Mission of the Church? Very good book. If you haven't read it, you should read it. Um, The other one Missionary Theologian, sent into the world, sanctified by the word. Um, Somebody on this side. All right. There we go. Boom. So after, you can come and grab them. So Normally, we've been doing some uh, interviews with our core staff. Uh, We're going to forego that for this evening and just jump into what we have planned. Um, Again, what we'll be doing is sharing a short testimony from myself, how the Lord has brought me and my family to come to terms. Not come to terms, but come to have a heart and a desire to go serve Him in the mission field. So, you know, usually we start... Um, our evenings with reading the passage, praying, and giving an expository message. Even though tonight will not be an exposition of Scripture, it's still important for us to begin with the Word of God. So I want to read a couple of passages before we pray and before we go into our short testimony and our time of Q&A. So the passages will be on the screen. Um, If you have your Bible, feel free to open there and follow along as well. The first passage is from Matthew 16, verses 13 to 18, and these are foundational passages for us to understand the church and the mission of the church. Matthew 16, 13 to 18. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, "'Who do people say that the Son of Man is?' And they said, "'Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets.'" And he said to them, "'But who do you say that I am?' And Simon Peter replied, "'You are the Christ, the Son of the living God.' And Jesus answered him, "'Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, "'for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, "'but my Father who is in heaven. "'And I will tell you, and I tell you, you are Peter, "'and on this rock,' the confession that Peter just made, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Our second passage is Matthew twenty-eight sixteen to 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Please join me for a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we are so incredibly thankful that you have revealed the truth of the gospel in your word to us that you've revealed your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and our Savior, our Lord, in whom we must believe and turn to for salvation, for the forgiveness of our sins, and for eternal life with you in heaven. Lord, we're so thankful that you've made the mission of the church so clear in your word, that you've shown us what our purpose in this life ought to be. And Father, not only that, but you promised to be with us until the end of the age. As Lord, we know this is a task that we cannot do on our own. It is a work that only you can do, and yet you lovingly decided to use us to accomplish your will. So Father, what a privilege to be in your service, to be part of the church, and to be a tool in your hands. And so Father, I pray that this testimony would be glorifying to you and encouraging to all of the brothers and sisters in Christ that are here tonight. We ask this humbly in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So as mentioned before, normally we would have a sermon, but we have a short testimony. And then we'll have Q&A with a lot of great questions about missions and what is missions and how we can be involved in missions. Some of you may know that I grew up as a Roman Catholic, and so I did not know the Bible at all as I was growing up. And then finally, many years later, I started attending a Bible church and reading the Bible, and eventually I got saved at the age of 28. And I really had a hunger for the truth. The Lord put this conviction on my heart that His Word is the truth. Right, Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. And later in John 17, 17, in Jesus' high priestly prayer, he says in his prayer to his father, Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And so the reality that the word of God is the truth that it is breathed out by God, and therefore it has the very quality of God in that it cannot lie, but it can only tell you the truth, that became an all-important conviction to me. And it's one that all of us should have. So with that in mind, I wanted other people to know the truth. I wanted them to know the gospel and to be saved. So I got involved in our youth group and eventually got to teach the Bible there and to teach Sunday school. And as I got to do that more and more, I just had this thought in my own heart and in my own mind. If I could spend the rest of my life teaching the Word of God, preaching the Bible, why would I want to do anything else? That was the beginning of the journey that eventually led my family and I to seminary. So Chen Pei and I, we visited the seminary. We got to see what it would cost in order to attend and to live in LA for four years. And we applied and we prayed. We prayed, Lord, if you don't want us to go down this path, please reject me from this seminary. Do not let me go into this if you don't want me to be doing this. And so we got accepted and here we are. So I went to the seminary thinking that I would just serve as a pastor somewhere in the United States. And I never really thought about missions, right? I just wanted to preach and teach the word of God so that others could know and understand God better and that the lost would be saved. Now, during my time in seminary, I heard about Bible institutions that were being set up across the world by people who graduated from our seminary. And the driving motivation that they have is the Great Commission, which we just read, and also 2 Timothy 2.2, which says, Paul writing to Timothy, he says to him, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So there's four generation, so to speak, there, right? Paul to Timothy, Timothy to entrust to faithful men who will also be able to teach others also. So another conviction that came in one of the classes, one of the professors reminded us that to whom much has been given, much will be required. So all of that begins to weigh on your heart when you're engaging with the Word of God every day, preparing and training to teach and preach the Word of God. So all of that amounts, all of that teaching, all of this background that we've given here amounts to what we need to do in life. What is the mission of the church, right? And it's going to people who don't know Christ, right? Evangelizing to them. And if they were to become believers, if they become disciples and followers of Christ, then we want them to mature in knowing Christ and knowing his word. And then from there, we want to develop leaders so that they can become elders and leaders of that local church. And then we want to repeat that whole process again. So also during that time, I had the privilege to co-lead an STM out to Germany. And so I got a small taste of missions through that. So it was a great learning experience and also a sharpening experience for us to uh, really have a better grasp, a better understanding of missions and STMs. STM is short-term ministry. Um, So we landed in Germany, we dropped off our luggage at the office of the host, and then we went to do evangelism in the streets of East Berlin. That was day one, off the plane into the streets. A part of that was to deal with the jet lag, but it was still awesome to hit the ground running. So we also served the local church later that week by running the kids program during their church retreat. Now it doesn't sound like much to go across the world and to do something like that, but that was what that local church needed. That's what that local church wanted so that they could minister to their own people and continue to help strengthen them so that they would be better followers of Christ and better evangelists in their daily life. Now we also got to ask the missionaries all kinds of questions and to understand them even more. And during that trip, another brother and I, we made a commitment. We made a commitment that as soon as we came back to the States, we were going to take at least an initial step to try and get involved in missions. Now that brother and his family, they also have three boys. They just did their first year in Cairo, Egypt. And so he's out there, he's doing it. And as for my own family, Lord willing, we'll be heading out to Japan in about three months or in about 15 weeks. You know, and people ask me, you know, why Japan? You know, even one of my profs said, hey man, like you're half Hispanic, you speak Spanish, your wife speaks Mandarin. What are you guys doing? Like, well. The first part has to do with the providential leading from God. I've always been interested in Japanese culture and language, right? It's fascinating. The Lord also brought many Japanese people into my life, even though I was living in this small and poor country called Nicaragua. And I even got to study a little bit of Japanese in high school down there. And by God's grace, I wasn't a believer yet. But the Lord sent me to Stanford for graduate school through this crazy set of circumstances that only he could have orchestrated. Now, it's a great story, but it's one that's far too long for tonight, so I'd be happy to tell you the story of how God got me there. Now, when I was there, I took a year of Japanese for fun to take a break from all the engineering classes, and I also had the opportunity to become friends with over 60 students from Japan across two separate summers. Now, lastly, in God's providential working, the Lord brought Seichi and I together in seminary. Seichi is the other family here that um, is planning to head to Japan as well. So during orientation week, I literally saw all the other brothers that were there, and I said, hey, look at that. That's a Japanese guy. I think I'm going to go say hi. So I went over and I said hi. And the Lord started this friendship that led us to working together in the library and spending many hours talking about missions in Japan and what that might potentially look like. But then the Lord closed other potential doors of ministry that I had before me and brought me here to Lighthouse. And we've been pursuing missions to Japan more intentionally since all those other doors had already closed. So in reality, God has been the one who's been guiding us in this direction And as we've sought to serve Him and to trust Him and to just go wherever it is that He wants us to go and serve Him, that's where He's led us. He's brought us up to this point. So that's the providential guidance from God. But there's also two other factors, all right? The desire and the need. The desire and the need Now, we want to be about the kingdom of God, about the gospel, about making disciples, all of those things. And there is such a huge need in Japan with it being one of the largest language groups that's unreached by the gospel, right? We've mentioned this before, 123 million people with less than 2% Christians. And in reality, it's probably less than half a percent of Bible-believing Christians. So the need there is enormous. And our plan is simple, right? we want to be doing those four things that we mentioned before, evangelizing, making disciples, raising up leaders, and then hopefully planting another church. So the first year or two, we'll be making sure that we're plugged into our church plant there in Nagoya, supporting the leadership there. And we'll be mentored by other missionaries to help us get acclimated to Japan in a spiritually healthy manner, right? Making sure we're not isolating ourselves, sitting in our room 20 four, seven, studying the language, but never being part of the church, right? Never being part of the community to reach out to them. So we'll also be spending our time there learning the language, learning the culture, connecting with the local community, hopefully with our kids being in school that we'll be able to make more connections. And so there's a lot more details about what we're planning to do in those first couple of years. I'd be happy to share more about that um, if you want to. So please feel free to reach out to us and ask. You know, but all of this goes back to that same inclination that I had before going to seminary, right? If I can spend the rest of my life teaching the word of God to others, telling them about Jesus Christ and the gospel so that they can be saved or so that they can mature in their walk, Why would I do anything else? I'm not saying that's the thing that needs to grip your heart, but that's exactly what God has been working in my heart. Now, that mindset came to me just from simply reading scripture, serving in the local church, and having godly people in my life that know me and that they can help me to grow and they can affirm me in these directions, or they can redirect me in a different direction if they don't think that's where God wants me to go serve him. Now that's really what this calling comes down to. Is it, do you have a desire to be a missionary on the field? Are you walking with the Lord and have good and godly character qualities? Do you have people in your life that can affirm you in those desires, that can affirm you in your character and help you to grow in Christ-likeness? Do they affirm you with your desire for serving in missions? And also, do the people on the field that you plan to go serve with, do they also affirm you? These are all aspects of God's calling in your life. Right? It's not some epiphany out of nowhere that comes into my mind and I see a confirmation in the clouds. Right? God has given us his word. He's given us his people. We should use what God has given us. So lastly, how is it that you can be a part of our mission effort to Japan and support us? Well, I had the opportunity to preach a message about how we can be partners in the gospel back in September. So if you weren't here for that, you can find it on YouTube or in the sermon's archive for the church. But essentially, you can pray for us, you can encourage us, and you can support us by giving regularly to the mission. Now, there's some other practical ways that you can help us, like taking some of our stuff for us, since we need to be do away with 90% of our belongings. So if you break into our home, you can steal our stuff. I only ask you leave my Bibles and you leave my clothing. <laughs> but you can take the rest. But more specifically, you know, what do we need help with this in particular moment? What we need help with is your prayers so that some of the paperwork that's in process can get done and we can get our visa so we can move over there and in the time frame that we're hoping. And secondly, we need uh, more monthly supporters to contribute to the mission on a monthly basis. So our prayer cards that you have, have the QR code with the links to, on the back um, that take you to our um, support page. And by God's grace, we've actually already met the outgoing fund, so that's completed. But what we need is the monthly support so that we can you know, cover the living expenses, cover the ministry expenses, and all the rest. So I invite you to be partners with us, all right, to be partners with us in giving through this ministry so that we can all be striving together for the Great Commission in Japan, Now, who knows, right? Maybe the Lord will use this first step that you might be taking in supporting this mission to grow your own heart for missions, whether it be in Japan or whether it be somewhere else in the world. You never know how God is going to use this in your life, how he's going to use it for the growth of his church. He's going to grow his church. Are we going to be part of that or not? All right, that's why he's left us here on this earth, to be part of the Great Commission. So I hope that this has been helpful. I hope it's been encouraging. You know, if you want to talk more, if you want to ask more about missions, you want to ask more about us, about Japan, about Scripture, about theology, whatever, I'm more than happy to spend time with you and talk with you, pray with you, help you to think through things. That's why I'm here. I want to do that with you and for you. So please let me know all right let me pray for us and then we'll go into our q a our heavenly father indeed again it is such a privilege to be part of your mission lord in this world to know that the lord jesus christ died on the cross for our sins that's way more than enough blessing to us lord but then you adopt us you make us your children you grow us into Christ's likeness You put away our shame and our guilt. And Father, you want to use us to glorify yourself, to magnify yourself even more. Father, why else would we want to do anything in this world? Lord, help us to have humble hearts, to be hungry and thirsty for you, to have a huge desire to know you. Lord, as your word says that, we shouldn't boast in the riches of this world and strength and in power, but we ought to boast in knowing you. And so, Father, I pray that you help us to know you more each day and use us to glorify you each day, whether it be here in the South Bay or whether it be across in Japan. May you be glorified through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen
1: you. But even as you look towards Japan, what are some of the things about the culture and people specifically that, um, you know, you appreciate? I, I know you like touched on some of that. And then maybe even like, what do you foresee, just so that we can uh, pray specific prayers too, what do you foresee as some of the difficulties or the hardest parts about acclimating to the culture?
0: Yeah, thanks. Um, well, just to make sure that I and part of Lighthouse. The food is amazing. <laughs> it's the best part of it. I'm just kidding. So, no, the people obviously are great. If you've ever been to Japan, you know they're very kind. They're so polite. Um, they're very thoughtful, right, towards others. They're not just so focused on themselves. So there's a lot to admire about their culture, about um, just the people in general. Um, you know, but having said that, um, there are obviously a lot of challenges, right? The The gospel or at least some form of Christianity has attempted to be in Japan over 500 years now. And so there's, it's not like the gospel hasn't gotten there, but it's that you know, for whatever reason in God's sovereignty, the people haven't responded. And so, um, so that just kind of tells you there's a significant challenge um, for Japanese folks, again, for only things that God knows exactly why, haven't really come to believe in Christ. Um, As far as, you know, those things related to the culture, that will be a challenge for us. I mean, there's, you know, if you've been there, you've seen every block, right? There's a Shinto shrine, there's a Buddhist temple. I mean, you go down these little alleys and you'll find another one. I mean, they're just all over the place. And so that's so integrated into the culture um, and, and just into people's lives, right? It's not uncommon for them to be born And then they're, you know, inducted into life, so to speak, in a Shinto shrine. They might get married at a Christian church. But then when they die, they're buried and it's all handled through a Buddhist temple because the state has given the authority to the Buddhist temples to basically manage, you know, uh, the burials for everyone there. And so whether they call themselves religious or not, I mean, it's integrated into into the culture, into the society. And another part of that goes with it too, right, is some of the ancestor worship and Confucianism, etc, that just it's all in there in their line of thinking. Um, so where that presents a problem to us is that, well, we're not familiar with those things, right? I mean, I'm not an expert in Shintoism, I'm not an expert in Buddhism, like the specific Japanese forms of it, and how that all permeates their thinking. right? I think that'll be one of the challenges. I always share this story because I think it's funny. you know, k- John is at a Japanese kindergarten right now, and he came back one day and he said, "Dad." You know, we were throwing soybeans at demons on the wall today, and I was like, what? You're in kindergarten, man. <laughs> like, And so every year around the, I guess is the Lunar New Year, they have this thing, right, where they, it's essentially kind of like a good luck, bad luck thing. Send the bad luck away, bring the good luck to me. Um, but they put these oni, like demon characters on the wall, and they literally, they throw beans at it. <laughs> and so, um, you know, that was at school. That's going to be a challenge, right? How do I help my kids walk through that? How do they understand that? All right, like I don't throw beans at demons at home. All right. So, I mean, there's just a totally different level of things that we need to navigate through that we're not familiar with, but we'll need to learn and help our kids try to think biblically you know, through those things, right? Yeah.
1: Thanks for sharing. Um, I guess a follow-up to that, you know, given how um, steeped Japan is in other religions as well as the small percentage of the population that uh, is professing Christian. What is like the general attitude perception of uh, believers, of, you know, followers of Christ out there? Like, are they, you know, kind of more like, well, good for you type um, approach or is it, um, is there, you know, disdain and looks of ignorance? Is there like a general, um, I guess, reaction when they find out you're Christian. Uh,
0: Like from, like a non-Christian Japanese towards, okay, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Seichi, I think I can share this. I hope it's okay. (laughs) It's fine, Uh, you're you're leaving. (laughs) (laughs) No, so, you know, Seichi shared this really touching, you know, testimony as well that him, um, you know, his mother became a believer, I believe, in Okinawa, and you know, her, she was disowned by her family by, for becoming a follower of Christ. And, I mean, I'm assuming that had to do with, you know, who's going to take care of our body and our tomb and all this stuff when we're dead. You know, the, all of that stuff plays into, into um, the thinking there. Honestly, though, I mean, I just talked with somebody that just came back from Japan. And they were telling me, yeah, you know, they tried to share a little bit with one of the tour guides, you know, about Christianity, because he was, you know, asking about Shintoism and all that. And it was, he said, like, literally just one ear and out the other. And it, I don't think it's because they don't care, or they, I think it's they just have no idea, right? I mean, they don't know anything about Christianity and other than, okay, like, Westerners are Christians, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so they don't know, any, I mean, yeah, sure, maybe they heard about Jesus, but they, they, they have no concept of God, right? They have millions of gods, right? And so I think you really, I'm, I'm kind of going to go forward with this, you really have to start at the beginning, right? When you're trying to inform a Japanese person about the gospel, about Christianity, right? When I say the beginning, I mean the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? They need to know that there is a God, the only God, who created everything and everyone, and that he has authority over everything and everyone. Because that concept just doesn't exist in their mind. And so how are you going to explain, look, you are a guilty sinner before a holy God, and you need to repent from your sins and turn to Christ so that you can be saved? Like, that just doesn't compute because they don't have a concept of a God who created them and who has authority over them. And so literally, beginning in the beginning, Genesis 1-1. And we need to work patiently, lovingly, kindly, you know, over time, building our relationships and walking them through all these gospel truths that we just take for granted because they don't have that foundation. Sorry, I kinda.
1: No, I mean, preach. (laughs) (laughs) Go for it. Um, No, that's really helpful. And I think in a lot of ways, it uh, removes kind of the intimidation of missions because it sounds like you're loving people, evangelizing to them, thinking deliberately, how can I uh, minister to them and share the good news? So I guess to change gears a little bit, what, what distinguishes, say, um, packing up your bags, moving across seas to do foreign missions versus um, ministering locally, you know, like in our workplaces, um, within our neighborhoods, at home? Uh, what are the ways that you think about how over across these missions is different than what we're doing here? And this is for, you know, for all of us.
2: Yeah, I can share. I mean, I think, I think missions is something that, yeah, if you've lived long enough as a Christian, either, you know, whether it's a missionary coming and sharing at your church or they're about to leave, like Alessandro and Sechi, um, or whether, yeah, like for me in seminary, I had a class on missions, it's mandatory for everybody. And, and so I think, yeah, at, at some point for every Christian, you, you think about missions, Um, just because, yeah, you're going to come across the Great Commission at some point and think, yeah, am I doing this? Am I faithfully carrying out the Great Commission? And so I think for someone who feels called to stay, that definitely still crosses my mind. And and I think it's good, even though I feel like I've prayed about it, I've thought about it. And um, even after I, I pray about it again and think about it, and I'm still open to it, but even though I still feel called to stay, I, I feel okay because I've I've prayed about it, I've thought about it, and I feel that there's still not only a need in, in places like Japan, but there's a need here in the US, right? And um, as we were preparing for the Q&A, uh, when we had our, our staff meeting on Monday, just us three, we were kind of joking like, you know, the joke is people are gonna start sending missionaries to America, right, because of where, the U.S. and the West is, is kind of going um, as far as just secular, secularization. And so there's there's a need here, right? And, and I can attest to that because I didn't grow up as a Christian and I had faithful Christians preaching the gospel to me. And that's how I became a believer because people who may, we might not give them the title of missionary, right? But they were just being faithful Christians, um, just preaching the gospel to me and they're fulfilling the great commission there. And so there's a need here. There's still a need here, and we all know people who are unbelievers in our lives that that need the gospel, right? And I have my family who none of them are believers, and and many of my friends from from growing up and and all that. So, so I think yes, you you can be faithful, of course, um, staying here or or going, and and yeah. So so for me and Alan, right? That's that's where we're at, and and how we're thinking about things.
1: Anything to add, Alexandra? Also-
2: Yeah,
0: I agree. I think in essence, right, the mission of the church is the mission of the church, whether you're here in Israel or in Japan or whatever, right? um, Scripture, you know, is pretty, I think, clear on that. I think one, like, practical difference, if I can talk about that a bit, um, I think is the, um, you have to really try to, not that I know how to do this yet, obviously, but we really have to put effort and thinking and praying into learning how to communicate the gospel to a different culture and a different language, right? Because, you know, it's easy for me to say, hey, like, are you guilty about anything? Have you ever stolen a chocolate bar or whatever? And it's like, yeah, you know, you feel guilty. You know what I mean when I'm talking about when I say, are you guilty of sin? But them, over there, it's more of a shame honor type of thinking, right? They're not so wound up with the whole guilty or not guilty thing. We tend to think about the gospel mainly in terms of justification, right? Like, how have you been justified by your sin or for your sins? But that doesn't compute as much over there, not that it's not true, but it's because they just don't think about things that way. And so, you know, there's just this extra hurdle that we have to try to overcome, And but it will be overcome through walking them through the Scripture, right? Because. The scripture is what God's going to use to work in their hearts to help them understand and know Him and know their need for Him, All right? So it's you know there's this temptation to try to you know what's the calculus to help this person figure this out and understand the gospel. But I think really the key is going to be just walking them, walking together with them through Scripture, whether <clears throat> excuse me they have a more shame and honor thinking or um, you know legal legal type of thinking all of those themes are going to come out as we walk through the scripture with them. So I think that's just one practical difference between ministering here and ministering over there.
1: No, that's helpful. Um, the other thing, too, it sounds like whether you stay or go, you need to be involved. Like, it can't just be, oh, haphazard about it and um, laissez-faire, you're not thinking about it, but there seems to be a, a desire to be a good steward, to be deliberate, to discern, um, uh, like what you mentioned in your testimony, providentially, like where God might lead you to serve, right? Um, And so out of a desire to maximize your impact and be um, faithful to the gifts entrusted to you, like for you, um, it's led you down the path of Japan where um, based on maybe some of Christian's propensities, uh, the world of academia might be where he would be sought in light. Um, another common, I guess, conception is how would, how would you define missions? You know, is digging wells for water missions? Is um, providing um, medical aid in a foreign country mission? Uh, what constitutes mission exactly?
0: He wants you're, to build wells. You're the wells. expert. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to dig wells, man. You know, I <laughs> no, I think, you know, I, I purposefully chose the two passages, right? We read at the beginning, um, you know, the, um, the Great Commission in Matthew 28 at the end there, right? Because the main, I mean, maybe you've heard all this before, but the, the main verb in that whole um, two verses of the Great Commission is to make disciples, right? Making disciples, and another important aspect of that is that that's given to the whole church. That's not just you individual go make disciples. Obviously we all need to do that. But that command is given to the whole church, not just to the elders, not just to the pastors you know, or the deacons, right? That's a command for the whole church. So that has to be um, you know, what missions is all about. So as I tried to outline or, or share in the, in the um, testimony, right? How is it that we go about making disciples? Well, we need to go, we need to evangelize, right? Give them the gospel, explain to them, live with them, walk with them, explain the scripture to them. And once they believe, we need to help them to grow in maturity and likeness and hopefully out of that pool, some of them will become elders of that church, and then we can go and plant another church, you know, somewhere else, right? So that is the mission of the church. If you read through the book of Acts, right, that's what you're going to see what Paul is doing. Right? He's going around on these three separate missionary journeys, and he's evangelizing to them, and then he raises the disciples, he leaves elders in that location, and then he moves on to another spot. And then when he comes back on when it's his way back to Jerusalem, he actually goes back to visit all those churches that were planted, and then he goes and he strengthens those churches, right? In all of his epistles, that's the same thing what he's doing, right? He's strengthening those churches by teaching them doctrine, you know, admonishing them, encouraging them, all those types of things. So if you read the epistles with that in mind and you read through the book of Acts, you're going to see that is the Great Commission, right? And that's what Lighthouse, you know, is all about, right? Fulfilling the Great Commission according, or in the heart of the, uh, the Great Commandments. And so, I mean, I love that motto or whatever you want to call it for Lighthouse. I just think it's amazing. It's so helpful to think about our life in that way. Right? We, serve, we live to worship God in fulfilling the Great Commission in the heart of the Great Commandments. Um, what was the question?
1: <laughs> like, what, um, what oh, defines yeah. something as being missions?
0: Yeah. No. So I really appreciate this question. The reason is because, um, is it wrong to build wells? Is it wrong to do medical things out on the field? Of course not. Those are good things, right? Those are loving things, ways to love your neighbor. However, that can't be all of it right? That can and should be done, but it needs to be, uh, I think, the best way for that to happen and to be part of the Great Commission, you need to be tied to a local church in that area. So if you're digging wells wherever, you need to know the local church there. You need to have a relationship with them So that you're doing all these things, but you're partnered with that local church, and they can be, you know, doing that um, evangelism, raising leaders, and planting churches, etc. And you can also be part of that. If you're not tied to a local church, and you're just, you know, out there doing those things, I mean, again, that's a good thing, right? You can be a personal witness if you have that in mind, but it's not going to be as good as if you're tied to a local church, right? And so that's huge. So I I don't know if that's like on your guys' radar, but if it's not, that really needs to be. These types of works need to be tied to a local church. If not, it's just humanitarian work, right? Anybody can do that, right? I mean, there's plenty of atheists that do that, right? I mean, we had tons. The reason I got to know Japanese people in Japan was because they had volunteers from Japan coming to, you know, teach them how to have clean water in Nicaragua right? To teach them, you know, physical education, right? To teach them agriculture. But, I mean, obviously they weren't Christian. (laughs) So, I mean, that's why that makes the difference, right? Are we doing these things tied to a local church? And is that being, you know, brought, bringing those people that we're ministering to into the local church through that work? So, if you have medical training, awesome. Praise God. Please use it. It can be used in a tremendous way out on the field. But again, you want to be tied to a local church. You're engineer? Amazing. You want to build rocket space ships with trees? Great, let's do it. I'm sure Elon Musk, you know, can help us figure out a way <laughs> how to do that. But um, again, I've, if you walk away with anything tonight, I want you to know what is the Great Commission, and also if you're out on missions, that you need to be tied to a local church here at home and also out on the field. And the people that you want to support, whether through prayer and finances, etc., you want to ask those questions. Are you tied to a local church here in the States? What's your local church out on the field? What do they believe? Do they actually preach the gospel? Honestly, I confess I didn't do my homework, and I had been supporting some um, you know, good mission stuff that I thought was happening, but they weren't actually really preaching the gospel. <laughs> and so you know i'm removing my giving from that organization and going to put it into a better organization that i know and trust that preaches the gospel <clears throat> children's hunger fund let's do it give you there.
1: Now that's a helpful uh, guide i think it's a fitting rubric even for local ministry right like what differentiates us putting on fall festival from something that the community does well it's not only connected to the local church but the church is about the gospel right so we have um, a distinctive there that we're not just about um, putting on uh, a fun event for people, but uh, we use it as a channel by which to by which we can witness to Christ and proclaim the gospel. Um, yeah, really helpful. Christian, anything to add?
2: nothing too much i I feel like yeah, Alessandro covered a lot um, it, it kind of reminds me of like a story when. I was like, just checking out church, like kind of just checking out Christianity. And like, I, I feel like, yeah, I was maybe kind of at that point where I was close to becoming a Christian and I was understanding things and, and I was becoming kind of interested and passionate about, yeah, just like, I don't know, loving people and you know, living a good life or whatever. I, I didn't have a full understanding of the gospel yet, but I remember I was still at USC at the time and uh, there was a there was an organization that was a Christian organization. And uh, one of their things was, uh, I think it was building wells, yeah, in, in just different parts of the world and um, just in, in countries in need. And uh, I remember, like, I went up to the speaker after and I asked him, and he was a representative of this organization, this Christian organization. And I said, or I asked him, so like, what do you guys do to spread the gospel? And um, he gave me kind of like a blank stare and he didn't, he didn't really answer the question and he just gave me a card after. And, and I always understand, like it's, it's hard to answer questions on the spot. Like I, I've been there before and everything, but uh, for me, it still struck me, especially after I became a Christian and I understood the gospel and I saw just obviously the value of God saving me right, through the gospel, saving my soul, and bringing me to himself. And um, so, it was weird when I asked this guy, right, about the gospel, and they say they're a Christian organization, and um, and there, kind of, there was kind of just, like, no response to that. And um, and so, I think, you know, to, to Alessandra's point, we're not saying, and, and I don't think, yeah, scripture obviously teaches, I don't think scripture teaches that we shouldn't do good acts of kindness, and, and to help people, and, and to do these these things on a practical level, but if it's without the gospel, then what makes us different than the Japanese people, right? The Japanese people, they're so nice, and they're so loving, right, uh, in so many ways, and there's so many other organizations that do great things, and so what makes us distinct, obviously, is the gospel, is preaching Christ, and that's what Paul did, right? He, he went and proclaimed Christ, and he says that all over his letters, and we see it in his life that that was what he was so consumed about, so concerned about, was to preach Christ to people. Um, but then, obviously, yeah, he helped people. There were the believers in Jerusalem that uh, were poor, and so he had funds collected so he can help them, so they could help them, and they had deacons for that in Acts six, right? And so, so we see both in the New Testament, but there is an overwhelming concern for preaching Christ. Um, and, and even Christ says that's what he came to do, to teach and to preach the good news, right?
1: No, that's good. Um, so for our demographic, for our, our young adult group here, as you reflect even upon your 20s or if you're in your 20s, um, what, what do you identify as like the major hurdles for um, doing missions or things that... Um, our group should be thinking through, like, specifics in terms of um, whether, you know, they're called to go across seas or, um, yeah, just any main idols you see threatening this particular season of life.
0: Let me learn
2: from my 20-year-old brethren. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've thought about this, right? And I think because I'm seminary trained, like there is maybe even, yeah, like, yeah, there, there might be more weight that I feel of like, man, yeah, I have the privilege of receiving an education here in the U.S. where, yeah, like a, at the school I went to, Southern Seminary, you have, yeah, so many people coming from overseas just to get education, an education here. And um, there was one guy in my class that his his wife was still back at home in the other country. And I don't think he saw her for like a few years, you know? And, and so it is a privilege to, to have the education that we have, right, going to seminary. And so I feel that. But I think, yeah, one of the things I think about obviously is, right, is comfort. I think that's going to be, for most of us, probably the thing if we had to be honest with ourselves of that, that's holding us back from doing missions um, is probably comfort. And even good things, right, like family, um, yeah, job, career, those kinds of things. And, um, you know, and, and that's tough because those things like, yeah, like family, that's a good thing. And if you want to stay here because you want to take care of your parents or, right, if you have kids and you want them to um, to have their grandparents here or to be with their grandparents and, and those kinds of things, those are good things. And so that's where I think it's hard. And that's what what makes idols hard and idolatry hard is it's deceptive and where I think we really have to wrestle and pray and, and ask people to you know, help check our motives and see why we wanna stay. Um, but yeah, to answer your question briefly, I, I think probably comfort is probably the biggest thing, yeah. Do you
1: identify any others, Alessandro, even as you're thinking through your own journey, were there like, you know, core incidences or events where you're like, Maybe not, or you know I really have to wrestle through this, and God got me over it, and you know, like now I, I really am heading in that direction
0: I think in my my particular case, not necessarily, I mean, I've been to Japan like four times as an unbeliever, and so I mean I knew stuff about it, been there, visited, et cetera, so I don't think there's too much of a hurdle um, in that sense for me, so I mean, I guess what I might. Touch on is like not necessarily an idol, but maybe just like lack of uh, you know knowledge or information regarding missions in general, or just recognizing the need. I mean, I'm just curious of like, is, have, is you know, if you've been to another country, right? Like, I don't know, raise your hand. I'm just curious because now I'm going to go talk to you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, so most of us have been to another country, right? And I mean, I had just I guess opportunity we can call it <laughs> to live in a pretty poor country before, <laughs> and so you know. We got to see that. I mean, thankfully, in just God's kindness, like we weren't living poorly. But my dad grew up poor, and but we had all these poor folks around us. Um, so you know, I, I guess I've just seen a lot of that stuff, and so it's not so shocking. I guess if I guess that's what I'm trying to say. So lack of knowledge, lack of information, lack of experience, perhaps if you've never been on an STM short-term ministry trip. I would like highly encourage you to go do that, experience that, see that with a good team and a good leader. (laughs) Uh, We can talk about that stuff too. Um, But I think just maybe just lack of information, like again, what is missions and what are we actually doing when we go out there for one week or two weeks and things like that. I think, you know, I would just encourage you if you haven't thought about it to start thinking about missions. And if you have thought about it, then take the next step and try to get onto a short term uh, ministry trip. I think that will really help you um, grow and stretch, one, if you're going to go as a missionary you know, for a longer period of time. But even if not, that will be a huge equipping and learning for you on how to support and help and minister to missionaries that are out on the field and which ones to support, right? Because some of them aren't doing the work. Right, They're doing other things, but they're not doing gospel ministry. And so you, this will be a helpful learning experience to be able to discern you know, whether or not you should go on missions or whether or not who are the missionaries that you should support and how is it that you can better serve them. I think you should really consider STMs um, if you haven't yet. I know you didn't ask me that, but I'm just putting that out there. No, <laughs> well, that's
1: good. Um, so let's say... You know, we acknowledge we we should all be participating in some way. And we recognize um, our our love for comfort. And we know the right thing to do is to kill that and, you know, to take up our cross. But we know if we just sign up for missions, um, given where we're currently at, it would be disastrous. Disastrous for um, myself as well as all the people I would attempt to minister to. How do you discern when you're prepared? Like when you're ready to go, because let's say for our our group, uh, mission crosses their mind, but they recognize, well, um, I got some growing up to do, or um, there are other areas where I feel inadequate. How did you come to know that you're ready? Or just general guidelines by which we can figure out, okay, maybe this is something I should move forward with.
0: Yeah, I, I think this is a very important question. Um, yeah, so the way I, I look at this, and I believe it's a good, helpful, biblical way to look at this, is trying to look at it from you know, the elder qualifications perspective. Now, I, I know not missionary doesn't necessarily need to be an elder, right? So we'll get to that. But in terms of discerning, Right. I think if you look at First Timothy, sorry, yeah, First Timothy chapter three, right, He gives the qualifications for an elder. Right. Do you have a desire for that office? Granted, he's talking about elders, but in this case, do you have a desire to be a missionary? Right. And then, do you have those godly qualifications? Right. Do people know you as a godly person? Right. Do you know the Word? Do you know your doctrine? Or do you know the theology? Even if you're not going to be a Bible teacher, but what is it that you believe about the Bible? What is it that you believe about Christ, about the gospel, etc.? cetera? And then I think the, the third part that I think is critical is, are people affirming you in what you're doing, right? As you serve in the church, as you you know help with the children's ministry as you teach the bible lessons in there as you you know disciple people etc are people affirming you and seeing how you're serving in the church and saying yeah this brother this sister they're on the right track they're they're doing great they are learning they're growing they're knowing their scripture well they're being faithful in how they live out their lives they have this desire to go and bring the word of god to people to love and serve the church If they're not, you know, maybe the people that are teaching the word up front, are they helping and supporting in whatever other capacities, right? And so that's where, you know, these medical missions and other things come into play because those can be extremely helpful um, administrative stuff, technology stuff, library stuff, whatever. And there's tons of ways that you can serve local churches, Bible colleges, seminaries that are out on the field, whether in Malawi, Africa, or in the Philippines, or in Tokyo, um, Russia, wherever. There's many different ways that you can serve, but you need to have those things in place, right? Do you have a desire? Or do you have the godly qualifications in your character? And are other people in the church affirming you, particularly the leadership and the rest of the church body? Right? I think those are critical aspects in terms of discerning whether or not I should move forward with missions or not. And, and again, like the STM thing is going to be one way to really help fill in a lot of that. The theology class that Seiji and Christian put together is going to be super helpful with that. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's so key, you know, just um, immersing yourself in Christian community. The, the more we can get away from individualizing our faith and thinking that um, the Christian life is a solo adventure, the, the better we will be equipped for just ministry in general right, um, to be encouraged and stirred by the examples of others, to receive honest feedback from people, um, to be stretched and challenged um, by what they're seeing in our lives and uh, even pushed at times. Yeah.
0: yeah, if I can just add really quickly to that. Like, before we came out to seminary, you know, sure, some people were affirming that we should come to seminary, et cetera, but I asked the pastor, like, hey, can I preach? Like, I want to preach before I leave, so if I'm, like, horrible at that... <laughs> You guys stopped me in my tracks. And so, I mean, I think that's the other thing, right? You can ask for those opportunities to serve in whatever capacity you're thinking of serving and get that feedback from those ministry leaders, from the elders, from the pastors, et cetera, and they can help give you that input that you might need. Brother or sister, you need to grow a little bit in this area. Hey, the way you, you know, responded to that question or that issue that came up, you know, maybe you could have tweaked it a little bit like this. And those are good things. We need to each other to grow. Um, so, don't be afraid of that. I guess is what I'm saying. All
1: right, our time is short, but I do want to um, ask maybe just a couple more questions. Hopefully, these can be more rapid fire. But um, aside, like usually when we think of support, especially at in this stage of life for young adults, we think of um, yeah financial support or praying. Is there other accessible small ways we can play a role in missions? Um, So maybe we could start there and then I'll have one more quick question. Like just very practical, um, low-hanging fruit, something that we can all strive for.
2: Mm -hmm. I think something, yeah, something I hope to do when Seichi and Alessandro go to Japan is, I think, yeah, I I think just checking in on them, um, right? I, I think yeah, in a good way, like financial support is advertised a lot, um, and that is a great way we can serve um, and support them. But I think, yeah, even just the small things and in informal ways by just emailing and seeing how they're doing and you know, just seeing if they wanna FaceTime and I'm sure even just talking to them and and just sharing about what God is is doing in each of our lives or what God is doing in our respective ministries, Right, like we're we're always encouraged by that um, when we just talk to other believers, uh, when we just catch up with people, right? Um, and so, for me, yeah, that's that's one way I, I hope to to serve and support them, other than the other ways that we've talked about before, the, the more common ways. And um, I mean, you could you could you know answer yourself, but I'm I'm sure they would appreciate that too, um, because yeah, going to a new place and not knowing the language at first. Um, and even Seichi, who knows the language, right? He's talked about how difficult it can be, right? And, and he's Japanese. And and so, so yeah, I'm, I'm sure they would appreciate it, just talking to familiar people and seeing familiar faces, even if it's over over Zoom and FaceTime.
1: And I think, just really quick, the key, too, is just to take initiative, right? Because I'm sure um, for Alessandro, his family, any other missionary, they're going to be swamped, right, just trying to get their... Uh, kids used to the new school system or transportation or just assimilating into um, their area that they probably won't have a lot of bandwidth to be like, oh, I should, uh, you know, send a text message to Alan and see how he's doing. uh, I probably won't even be on their radar, right? But... um, we, as a community, we can pool our resources, our efforts together just to be mindful of them and pursue them. And I think that's a really simple way to encourage and love upon them. A- anything else you might add, Alessandra?
0: Yeah, one sister I spoke with that, you know, has been on the field and, you know, she said what really helped and encouraged her was that the people that were walking with her were interested in the things that she's interested in regards to the missions and ministry, etc. And so, in other words, right, taking interest in the things that are going on in their life, the things that are going on in their ministry. I think that goes a long way because, I mean, you know, I hear it time and time again when missionaries come back off the field for a furlough, for a rest, for a brief time before they go back, you know, the people here, obviously you guys are living your life, you got things going on, we, we have a life going on on the field. We're going to be in different places in our own life. But if you actually care and sit down and listen and ask questions, and are interested, and want to know more, and how can we pray for you, and how can I serve you, and can I take you to in and out please, by all means. (laughs) You um, You know, those kind of things, I think, are going to really help the missionary, because they're going out into this other place where nobody knows them, and they're figuring things out, but then when they come back, everything's different. And so you kind of lose your home, and you don't really have a home, so to speak. And it's not because they want to, it's just things change, people move on right? And so I think that's really hard from what I've heard from other missionaries. that So I think if you're just interested in their life, interested in what's going on in the field, and genuinely care, I think that'll really go a long way to help support those missionaries.
1: Yeah, what's encouraging is that's something we all can do. Um, it's within our reach. Um, maybe last quick uh, question uh, for our group, let's say, okay, I want to take the next step. I'm interested in learning more about missions. Are there particular resources that uh, you would recommend, whether it's Christian literature, um, something to study in the Bible, uh, a book or a passage, anything where um, it's, yeah, something that they can pursue? Okay, so there's resources up there. Um, that was a little bit of a setup. Um, but the two books that Alessandro gave away, as well as, um, yeah, Let the Nations Be Glad, is a classic by Piper, and I'm not familiar with that last one, if you want to chime in.
0: Yeah, that's a podcast called Missions Talk put on by Nine Marks. Um, They cover a wide range of topics about missions, so if you want to take a bit of a deep dive, you can (laughs) go in there and learn a whole lot more um, and talk about STMs, um, about missions in Central, a- or, uh, Central Asia, you know, a lot of different Muslim nations, um, all kinds of things, wide range, what's the importance of the local church uh, in missions, you know, a huge, a lot, a lot of important topics are covered in there. So that's a good uh, podcast.
1: Anything in addition to these four recommendations?
0: Yeah, slide two. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, there you go. Good
1: biographies, you know, learning from uh, the saints who've gone before us, um, being inspired and uh, really just s- stretched by their examples that we can um, continue to carry the baton of the gospel. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, that one holding the rope is very good about uh, short term ministries. Um, super helpful resource. Um, long story short, ask. The, ask the folks on the field, what do they actually need, right? We're not just going for a vacation. We're not just going to do what we think is helpful. We want to do what they need, <laughs> right? Sometimes they just need money to get a project done. Sometimes they need us to go, you know, do children's ministry stuff, and it so happens that there's folks right now in Japan helping with the retreat. So there's, uh, you know, what, is, what, does the, what does the people on the field, what do they actually need? Um, the other resource that's not on there is um, Biblical Ministry Worldwide, BMW. That's our missions agency. They actually have a lot of internships, whether it's a one-week, two-week, one-month, few months, a year, whatever, uh, opportunities. In you know, South Africa, they have medical stuff going on there. Um, you know, Japan, they have teaching English over there. Um, you know, whether it's Germany, Indonesia. They're They're all over the world. So there's plenty of opportunities. Biblical ministries worldwide, you know, we vetted them. They're good.
1: <laughs> I hope so. <laughs>
0: um,
1: yeah, and, and another obvious resource is people, right? Gleaning from the experience of others. So Alessandro is still with us. You can talk to him. Obviously, we can't cover everything in this Q&A. This is just hopefully a way to get the conversation started. But I'm sure a lot of you know missionaries, whether here at Lighthouse or um, from previous churches and ministries. So approach them, right? Like glean from their experience, learn from them um, because we're all involved. Okay. Uh, With that, let me go ahead and close us in prayer. And then we'll have um, a brief time of musical praise. Let's pray. Father, you are a glorious God, a God who is so kind and faithful and loving, who has sent his Son, and we have received grace upon grace and blessings that are just unfathomable to us. Lord, we pray that the gospel would be such good news because we have experienced it, and it would be good news that we cannot contain, um, but we desire for others to know uh, the sweetness of forgiveness and being restored to you. And so, Lord, help us to be mindful, to know that uh, our lives here are filled with purpose, that you've redeemed us, that we might be useful for your cause to play a part in the Great Commission. That whether we go or we send, uh, Lord, uh, Father, we would be engaged in uh, ministry uh, to be faithful stewards of all that has been entrusted to us. We pray especially for Alessandro in these upcoming months. We ask that you give him wisdom and patience as he sorts out all the logistical things that are involved with um, moving his entire family. Uh, surround him with people who will encourage him, who will continue to support him while he's here, as well as uh, when he makes the move to Japan. And we pray that you would uh, continue to shape him to be a leader of his own family, that he might also be a leader uh, among the churches that he ministers to out there uh, to bring the gospel to bear upon uh, this dark and depraved world that others might behold Christ and love him. So we thank you for all this. We pray that for our group, we would um, really mull over what uh, was covered tonight, and we would search your scripture for wisdom that we might be obedient to your calling.